Hello and welcome to the very first episode of Studs Up, the podcast diving in with two feet to tackle all of the hot topics in the footballing world. My name's Alex Burrow and I'll be your host to guide you through the soccer sphere. Joining me today are two passionate football fans. One's a tragic Arsenal fan and the other is a frustrated Manchester United fan. Both of these gentlemen are, of course, very good friends of mine. Mr. Dylan Rowe. Hey, you going? And Mr. Lachlan Woodley. Hello. I should also mention I support Everton, so I guess in a way uh, you could say that we're all fans of terrible mid-table clubs. But guys, uh, the day's finally come after months of joking around about trying to get something like this going. We've finally done it. Uh, and now the whole world has to enjoy our terrible takes and our endless ramblings. So how are you guys feeling? Uh, a little bit nervous, but no, it should be good. Like, um, We've just taken yeah. what, like two years to like actually get done like all, all that back we, and forth we made it as a joke and then i made it like a chat like oh we should just make a podcast and like oh yeah and then two years later here we are yeah it's taken a while but look now that we're uh we've got some time on our hands what else are we gonna do well you're right there well on today's show we're going to be taking a look at some of the biggest surprises and disappointments of the premier league season so far but before we jump into anything, let me just carry out this by saying that we in no way are trying to pass ourselves off or do we consider ourselves to be experts. We're just here to have a bit of a laugh and a bit of fun chatting shit about our favourite sport. So let's kick it off by taking a look at some of this week's results. So on uh, in the Premier League on the weekend, Southampton lost. 3-2 to Manchester United. Lockie, do you want to talk a bit about that game? Honestly, just what a game. Like, that first half was probably some of the worst I've seen. <laughs> like, let's, like, let's be completely honest. Our first 10 minutes were great. All out attack. The rest of the fucking half was just shit. Like, I mean, Cavani came on in the second half and just changed the game completely. We played more attacking, you know, more crosses into the box and... I mean, it's a shame that he might face a three-match ban now since, you know, he made that horrible post. But, I mean, that's just what football is nowadays. He can't make racial jokes just here and there without getting a potential ban. Yeah, it's um, a bit unfortunate that he's uh, that he's gone and done that after such a good performance. Pretty poor form from him. Um, well, now De Gea is potentially injured. But I think at the end of the day, that could be seen as a positive because, you know, Dean could be getting more minutes and I've honestly I see him as probably the better keeper out of the two at the moment. He's probably England's number one. I yeah, know I you think, I think you, I'd agree with that. Yeah. I know you you've got Pickford and I mean I still probably think Hendo's probably better than Pickford at the moment. Oh well that's a that's a debate for the for another day. <laughs> <laughs> let's let's not go there. <laughs> yeah we won't like go there right now. now. Right, like... I can go for <laughs> hours on end saying how, how good Dino is <laughs> Oh dear. Okay, well, the other big result from the weekend uh, was Arsenal losing 2-1 to Wolves. Dylan, how do you feel about that game? Shareables, mate. <laughs> yep, well, uh, I reckon that... I mean, I enjoyed uh, it. I enjoyed it. That sums that up pretty I mean, what well. what can you say? Like, we were just... I don't know. I just, like... I think the only difference is that, like, this this hurts more because, at least in the past, like, our defence has kind of held up all right. But, like, both their goals at Wolves were, like, 
shambolic. Like. Well, I mean, like I was telling the other day, I think Gabriel is probably your best player at the moment. Even like even even Leno's like been great this season. Like we we barely hang on to clean sheets. Like and oh, even yeah. concede like one goal most games we've lost like one nil. It's just like that. The two goals we conceded were like terrible goals. Yeah, it wasn't a great performance from Arsenal by any means. Uh, and of course, early in the game, uh, Raul Jimenez picked up an injury for Wolves. Uh, he suffered a fractured skull and a head collision with David Luiz. Uh, he's undergone. Heard of that? Like a fractured skull. Yeah, it's uh, it's an unfortunate one to have. He's undergone surgery, uh, but there's no no return date as of yet. All that all that's really come out is Jimenez hoping, uh, saying on social media that he hopes to get back to playing soon. Uh, the next game that we'll take a look at was this morning's Champions League result. Shakhtar beat Real Madrid 2-0 in the Ukraine. So that's a bit of a shock result, and it puts Shakhtar into second in Group B, ahead of Real Madrid on head-to-head. Um, I, it's a pretty big result from Shakhtar, and it's, I, I think, one that not many people uh, expected, even though Real Madrid haven't been great this season. I didn't expect it at all. I'd seen the group as they got drawn look like mm. the big group of death like you got two two or three big teams in there and then you got Shakhtar just put in there like no offense to Shakhtar but like never seen them really do amazingly in the Champions League but now like beating like Madrid that's a big positive I mean the the biggest thing is that like because into one as well three two that means that like literally any of the four teams can like finish anywhere pretty much in that group or into beat like Borussia who are top of the group yeah, well, that's it. So uh, there's only three points separating the top of the group from fourth. So uh, it, it's all coming down to the last match day. And yeah. Group B is looking like it's the one to watch now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, some of the other groups have been pretty boring. Lots of draws across the results this morning. But yeah, sure. Yeah, Group B definitely looks like the one to watch. Well, in some news, a bit closer to home. Uh, yesterday on Tuesday, the 1st of December, Adelaide United have appointed Stefan Mork as the new club captain with Jordan Elsie and Ben Halloran joining him to complete the leadership group. Boys, obviously we are all fans of Adelaide United, big Reds fans. What do you make of the appointment? Interesting because like we were talking about this yesterday and like Yakutson's still staying so it's a bit weird how they've just appointed a new captain even though Yakutson is still hanging around. Yeah, Carl Viart did talk about it a little bit in the press conference yesterday um and i think it's just a move towards a new new era for adelaide united uh i think it's an interesting choice but with elsie and halloran to back him up i think it's it's, i think that's probably best it's it's probably a good choice yeah and well (laughs) a bit later in the show i was going to talk about saint trudan's clash with club bruges but reports out of Belgium this morning are saying that Kevin Musket's been sacked. So I won't do that. But um, he's been sacked after two wins in 14 games. So not a not a great display by him over there. And it's a little bit disappointing. As much as uh, we may not like Kevin Musket uh, because of his ties with Melbourne Victory. <laughs> uh, he's, oh, he is, of course, a very prominent figure in Australian football. And, um, you know, we did hope that he would do well over there. But unfortunately, it looked like it looks like that's not been the case. So it's all up to Liberato Kikacha over there now, my uh, my boy. So hopefully he can all kick right. on and he can kick on uh, there. He's not even Belgium. Australian, just calm down. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it doesn't matter, mate. He's played in the A-League. 
That's saw him right. once. That's it. Only once. Well, we're going to take a quick break. When we return, we'll dive right into some of our biggest surprises and disappointments of the Premier League season so far. Welcome back to Studs Up. Well, most teams in the Premier League have now played 10 games, a few of them still sitting on nine. Uh, so while it's still a little bit early for us to do a review of the whole season so far, we reckon we've seen enough to talk about some of the players that have surprised or disappointed us the most. So boys, the way this is going to work is I'm going to ask you to first give me your player that surprised you, and then we'll circle back and talk about the ones that have disappointed us. So before I start, I just want to give a couple of shout-outs to players performing really well this season. The likes of Matty Cash at Aston Villa, Jack Harrison at Leeds, Diogo Jota, and Nampalis Mendy, who's really proved himself in stepping in for Wilfred and Didi at Leicester. Uh, Lockie, why don't you kick us off with your first surprise player? Well, my first surprise player this season has to be Ollie Watkins. Like, he's been outstanding for Aston Villa so far this season. Like, he's aver- he's getting six goals, one assist. He's averaging around a 7.44 rating per game. And he's also averaging 0.67 goals per 90, which is, I mean, just below his average by 0.1. But, I mean, it's pretty much what he's averaging, like, supposed to be expected to be averaging every game um he's in ninth at the moment in premier league like goal scorers and only one actually being a penalty which is pretty good so he's been pretty good this season do you guys have any thoughts of how he's doing this season as well like i think he's doing really well I think it's pretty impressive uh, how quickly he's made the step up from the championship. Obviously, last season he was playing for Brentford and he was playing pretty well, um, knocking in a lot of goals in the championship. And he just seems to have transitioned really well. We had 25 goals last season. Yeah, exactly. And he just seems to have made the transition to the Premier League really well. And I suppose that helps that he's mm. got someone as dynamic and creative next to him as Jack Grealish. Yeah, I think that really helps mm. just... Like just with the team, just they all gel as a team around Grealish. Absolutely, and uh, Aston Villa have been playing well. Watkins has been on fire. Jack Grealish has arguably been the best player in the Premier League this season. Um, Look, things are going well for Villa. Obviously, they've had a little bit of drop off uh, since the start of the season, but that's to be expected. Well, they lost on they lost on Monday, didn't they? They did. Yeah, lost to West Ham too. Yeah. When they had that hiccup against Southampton as well. Well, I think that's well in that same game he missed a penalty, um, and he was also disallowed a goal because he was offside. Yeah, he's going to add to that because that's been one of his biggest weaknesses this season. He's averaging one point one offsides, and you know in that same game he's been disallowed a goal for being offside. So obviously there's room for improvement in that area. Like, as a striker, you need to make sure you're aware of like, offside traps and, you know, making sure that you're on side so you can score those goals. And if he's, con- like, averaging one offside a game, that's just not really good Yeah, enough. I mean, I, it's not that... One, one offside a game is it's obviously not ideal, but it's not terrible. It's just when it happens in moments like that where you've got a decisive goal at the end of the game, Oh, obviously, that, that offside itself was incredibly controversial as to whether or not it was a foul in the mm. box and whether it should that's, have been given a penalty. True, yeah. But, yeah, I, I mean, it, it becomes a problem when it's impacting these decisive goals. That's for sure. 
Well, VR, well, that's probably a separate topic in itself. has been very controversial. Well, let's not open that can of worms right now. No, let's not. Nah. <laughs> Save that for a rainy day or a, or another lockdown. So, oh, yeah, goody. that's it. But I think you're right. Ollie Watkins has been brilliant. Aston Villa have been pretty good. Um, yeah, mm. he's, he's definitely performing really well. Exactly, yeah. Well, his big games have been like against Arsenal he scored two goals against Arsenal and that big win against Liverpool he got a hat-trick even an assist in that game as well so he's doing well for someone who's just come from the championship and he's just gone into a new team and like new players he's got a you know form a bond with them and you know he's doing really well yeah I mean I guess that that hat-trick in the Liverpool game that um kind of boosts his numbers a little bit and obviously that that mm. results a bit of an anomaly but when you watch him play he he seems like he's definitely developing into a really high exactly, quality yeah. player. And he, you know, give it a couple of years and he might be knocking on the door for some of the even bigger clubs in the Premier League or even, you know, depending on the way the trend goes, even overseas. So, look. Well, he's, he's doing most, he's doing better than most of the big strikers in the league now. Like, I mean, I won't go into it now. Oh. Well, I mean, that's just, that's like a common thing. Uh, like trend this year I think like players like Calvert-Lewin and Danny Ings and these kind of players are doing a bit more than some of those other players that are kind of we kind of expected to see goals from like year on year kind of thing yeah yeah that's exactly right yeah well that's 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 not bad thanks for that Lockie um that's good I tried <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh Dill why don't you why don't you throw in your first name yeah, so my big well, positive for the season or big surprise this season was uh, Tarek Lamptey. So I, I, I wrote, I've got here, I don't think many people thought that Tarek Lamptey would be as good as he was this season considering that uh, many people barely knew who he was, I guess, before the season started. Uh, Lamptey was bought from Chelsea for a fee around four to five mil. So like considering what he's doing now, that's an absolute steal by Brighton. Um, and also considering the fact he's actually still really, really young, like 19, straight... Uh, basically came through the Chelsea Academy and the fact that he's killing it in the roles of right wing back and that three back for Brighton now um, shows uh, shows how much he's at. He really uh, adapted to the Prem and really stepped up and made an impact like straight away. So uh, he's made nine appearances so far this season. Obviously the one game he's missed was that game, last game against Liverpool when they drew one all because that red card he got. Um, that's probably his only negative. We'll talk about that a bit later. But uh, his offensive output, he's got one goal, one assist from right wing back. So, I mean, in terms of that, that's a great contribution for someone of his, I guess, standard that we talked about earlier or before. Um, he averages just under one shot per 90, so at 0.7, which is pretty good for right wing back. Uh, we're, more, uh, we're a very respectable pass accuracy of 78.8%. Uh, his de- his, the thing that makes him real good, though, is his defensive output for his size is really, really solid. Uh, helping support the back three for Brighton. So he averages 1.7 tackles and 1.8 interceptions per 90. Uh, he's second on Brighton's team for interception this season, actually, which is quite good considering that they've got Dunk, I think Webster and Dan Byrne, I think it is, uh, the other centre-half. Uh, these numbers, so his tackles and interceptions I just listed, they're actually better than players such as like Kyle Walker, Luke Shaw and Trent Alexander-Arnold, who are in like, the same position or similar position at, as a... I guess that at, in terms of them being a fullback, you could argue that's slightly different. But in terms of positional um, base, it's very similar. Uh, 
he also provides great technical ability on the ball and has agility and bounces to, to maintain his feet. So I think we've seen a lot this season is that he's able to take on multiple challenges and get around players who, with his agility and balance, who think that they've got, I guess, the advantage on him with the physicality. And that's probably his biggest, I guess, I guess weakness, that his physicality isn't as strong. But other than that, this season, I think that Brian could have asked any more than what he's done, I guess, as of late. So I don't know what you guys think of that, but... Yeah, I think he's definitely a surprise this season. I definitely agree. I mean, Brighton are a team that I like a lot. I think they have a lot of really talented players and they've done really well in recruiting since they've yeah. been promoted from the championship yeah, a definitely. few years ago. They're not having a great season. I mean, they're sitting 16th with, what, two wins, a few draws and a few a few losses. I mean, they definitely, a lot of their draws, they yeah. could have turned into wins. Like, yeah. That game against United was what an example of that. I... No, I, I I believe that was a very solid loss. On <laughs> all right, mate, calm down, <laughs> oh, calm down. But but I think in all seriousness, I think that draw against Liverpool, they probably should have won that game. Mm. You know, definitely like, missing the penalty with Mope, and I mean they got one in the end anyway. But I mean, I mean you should you should be scoring at least being on target. You shouldn't be able to miss the target off a penalty. Fulham. Um, Other than Fulham. <laughs> but the, no, Cavalero did score a penalty the other day, so we'll... Well, I think they found their penalty taker. They've scrolled through a lot of penalty takers, and I think out of all of them, Lookman has to probably be that. That has probably the worst penalty I've ever seen That was life. shocking, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. Uh, but no, I, I mean, Lamptey in Brighton, I mean, Lamptey, is, he's a great player, and look, it, it, it speaks a lot when... He's so young. He's only just burst onto the scene and people are already talking about whether or not he should be in the England squad. And especially in such a deep position for England. Yeah, there's a lot of competition. There are are lots of good and young English right-backs at the moment. So, look, Gareth Southgate's got a tough decision to make there um, as to who he involves and who he leaves out. But... Well, I was... Thinking the other day, like, because he's playing right wing back, like, he's got a, a very tough decision with right back at the moment because you've got Trent, Wan Bissaka, Lamperty now. Yeah, Kyle uh, Walker, Reese James. And, um, and a Kyle Walker, Walker and Reese James. You've got well. so like, many right backs. They've got to ridiculous from. depth in that position. It's, yeah. it's ridiculous. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, look, Lamperty's young. He's obviously been in a brilliant academy in Chelsea. He's created so many good young players. And he's made a smart move in moving to Brighton, I think. He's, he's, obviously, he's playing every game. He's playing in a good role. It suits him. He's under Graham Potter, who I I don't know about you guys, but I really think that Graham Potter is one of the best managers in the Premier League. Um, you, know, I, you know how I feel about Ole Gunnar Solskjaer. <laughs> and I think he's, I think he's leaps and bounds above him. Well, I think you, oh I think you know how I but feel about Solskjaer. <laughs> Brighton's, uh, he's still at the wheel. They're not doing as well as I had hoped this season. Um, I definitely feel like they're playing better than what their point tally is. Like, I agree. Yeah, the the results yeah. are not. If they're just getting evidence. unfortunate and, and results, and I think maybe that's got something to do with the the squad depth, but. Like I said, they've got some great players, and Lamptey is 
at the moment, he's their crown jewel. I, I couldn't name anybody else in that squad mm. that's outperforming him this season. No, no, that's just been Danny Welbeck. No one else. <laughs> Danny Welbeck. <laughs> yeah. Big boy Welbs. Oh, God. I would argue the fact that Matt Ryan's probably been the best player. <laughs> or you're like, yeah, him, well, mate, he's, he's <laughs> one of our last hopes there in the Premier League, isn't he? So, no, they never should have sold Aaron Moy. They'd be top of the league if they hadn't. Oh, no, without a doubt. <laughs> oh, well. No, that's good. Thanks for that, Dylan. I think Lamptey's, uh, yeah, he's been brilliant. My uh, my player that I have been really impressed with so far this season is uh, James Ward-Prowse at Southampton. Obviously, he's, he's the captain of Southampton. He's played every minute so far uh, of every game this season. He's contributed four goals and two assists, which is almost at the same level that he achieved in the whole of last season, at five goals and three assists. In uh, That was in 1920. So at the moment, he's averaging uh, 0.71 expected goals and 1.19 uh, assists per game. So he's overperforming a little bit in terms of his, uh, his goal return, but that is kind of expected when he's taking a lot of free kicks. So what is it three of his four or all four of his goals have come from free kicks. So um, it's, it's pretty impressive the technique that he has to be able to hit those shots. And I mean, against, uh, against United, against Everton, he's, he's been, he's been really good. Well, that one against United was just insane. Oh, it's insane. He's an insane set piece taker. Um, so he's averaging one shot per ninety, uh, which is which is all right. It's probably down to his set pieces again, mm-hmm. and one point five key passes, which is which is pretty solid. Defensively, uh, he's okay. He's never been outstanding. He's improved under Hassan Hootel, um, but he's not. He's nothing special. Like he's not in Golo Kante, and we can't yeah. expect that. He's averaging two point two tackles, zero point nine interceptions, and one point two defensive dribbles. So, like I said, they're, they're not outstanding numbers, but they're, they're pretty solid, and he's doing well with that. This season, he's averaging 6.5, sorry, uh, 65.3 passes a game at, a, at an 86% success rate, and that's up from about 80% last year. So, again, there's a bit of an improvement there. Uh, and, look, at the end of the day, he, I think he's grown from being this kind of promising young a solid role player at Southampton to being one of, if not their most important player, maybe second to Danny Ings, mm. potentially. And Well, now you've got Shea Adams look, just stepping up at the moment and playing mm, really well. That's true. He played really well against us on the weekend. Mm. So, But I, I think, um, look, you even see Ward Prowse is really putting in or putting his case forward to be the regular starter in the middle of the England team mm. as well, which is, it's a little bit weak in there, but if if you have a pairing of someone like Ward Prowse and Calvin Phillips or Ward Prowse and Dean, um, not Dean, uh, Jordan Henderson, <laughs> I'd love to see Dean Henderson running around yeah. the park. That'd be funny. Yeah. But I think, um, I think it, that could be a really good fit, but, Look, I've been really impressed with him this season. He's someone that I've kind of in the past looked at and gone, eh, you're all right. Mm. You'll probably stay at Southampton your whole career, which 
he probably will. Yeah. He's that kind of player. He's their captain. He's their leader. I don't see any reason for him to leave. But he's he's been brilliant this season. Mm. He's been so important, so influential as their captain. And like I said, he's been there for every single minute of their yeah. season so far. And they're 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 flying. Mm. I mean, they're sitting they're sitting in sixth. So you know, hats off to James Ward Prowse to Ralph Hasenhutel. Like, there's a it's a bit of a revolution going on down there. Mm. And they're they're flying. Mm. They're doing really well, and like especially from the past, they've just been you know get a good player, sell them on, get a good player, sell them. It's like Adelaide United in a way, just get a good player and sell them on. But they just need to sort of shift that way. They just need to keep a a solid squad, and they've kept Ward Prowse for so long, and they just need to hold on to him as their captain. They just, you know, he's doing really well. And when Fred took him down just outside the box, I was thinking in my head, this is going to go in. Like, it's a tough angle to get it, but he's still going to get it in. So. Yeah, well, that's it. He's one of those players where if you get the ball in the right position and he steps up, you're going to put your life savings that it's going to go yeah. in because chances are it probably will. Yeah, exactly. He's yeah. a special player. Mm. And I, I think you're right. One of the keys to Southampton is going to be trying to keep that consistent squad mm. and um, trying to keep a solid base. And it's all fine to sell your star players like they have in the past with Virgil van Dijk, Sadio Mane, the entire Liverpool squad really yeah. uh, being sold off. <laughs> but even someone like, uh, you know, over 10 years ago now, uh, Theo Walcott going to Arsenal. Um, I think it's all fine to do that if you're strengthening the team. And they've done that as well this season. They've brought in Kyle Walker-Peters um, to replace Cedric, who they phased out last year, who's obviously now Arsenal. <laughs> <laughs> but look, I think I think that's right. Um, they've got They've got promise and they've always... They've always been a club like this, I think. A bit of a... Not a yo-yo in the sense that they've been up and down, but n- not in the last uh, few years anyway, but they've been up and down in terms of league standing, yeah. whether or not they've been a, say, Europa League challenger or a relegation threat. So we'll we'll, we'll see what happens with them over the next couple of years, yeah. but they've got a good project. It's, it's exciting there. Yeah. Do you have any other thoughts on that, Dylan? No, I think what you're saying is pretty much pretty much right. Yeah, no, like his uh, his threat on the um, on set pieces is probably one of the best players in the Prem at the moment, I reckon. And um, when we play seven, I'd hate to give away for a kick because I know it's going to happen with our defence. But <laughs> well, like I said but, yeah. before, your defence is absolutely no, shambles. Yeah, you're pretty much uh, <laughs> nailed it. Yeah. Well, the whole club's a shambles, mate. Yeah, <laughs> uh, mistake. Whole team's oh, a shambles. Awesome. Mate. All right. Well, with that, let's circle it back um, and let's go for. Your first disappointment of the season, Lockie? Like I just said before, like absolute shambles of a team. We're just going to go right up front with the Bamiang. Like, still, you're not going to like this, but he's been an absolute shamble this season. With only two goals this season and one assist, he's also joined with Gabriel, who's your defender. Like, as your striker, you probably shouldn't be matching your goals with your defender. It's a bit embarrassing. <laughs> Um, wanted to track back first of all to when he first moved to Arsenal. Was that two years ago now? Moved to Arsenal. Uh, 
Is this, I think this is his third season now. So yeah, yeah, so when he moved to Arsenal in January, he had 13 appearances and got 10 goals and four assists. And now this season with 10 appearances, he's only got two goals and one assist, which is, I mean, you could say he's getting old, but I mean, that's not really like an excuse because you got Jamie Vardy, who's what, 33, 34. And he's, is he top scorer at the moment? I think Calvert Lewin is, isn't he? Oh, Calvert Lewin. Sorry, my mistake. He's he's out there with top scorers. Didn't mean to offend you, Alex. My my apologies. <laughs> yeah, better watch yourself, mate. Might need to replace you next week. <laughs> That's all good. <laughs> <laughs> um, and last season he had twenty two goals as well. So he's not really, you know, matching his expectations. And I just wanted to put this question. So, do you think? With the Bamiang only having two goals and one assist this season, do you think he thrives more when there's fans in attendance, or is it just the actual team and like the coaching stuff in general that's not helping him more in that case? Uh, I mean, he can obviously do better. Uh, that, that, that's, you could probably sell that for the whole team, obviously. But I think the main problem is that we don't have enough kind of creativity to get balls into him because I feel Bayern's not he's not that kind of player that's going to like take on three defenders and or like a Jack Grill just something where he can create all his chances and get some get plenty of shots off. Kind of thing. He's more that kind of like lethal finisher, so he needs those balls kind of in to to get those chances. So you just feel he's not getting enough service. I feel that if he had like some creative players in there or in January if we went after some creative players like someone like Ozil would like should be playing which is so stupid but like if he got had some got end up getting some creative players in in January anyway to facilitate that I definitely think that in the mm. second half of the season would be a lot better and he would he would be better for it but I, I yeah I definitely think that it's what you said is probably right as well and that he's the whole the whole team's down in confidence he's definitely probably a confidence player but and he probably does throw a little bit off of fans, like being able to celebrate and that sort of thing. He enjoys that. So, like, oh, probably. Well, I feel that, like, you see sometimes where, you know, a Bamian sort of has that smile, like, you can just sort of, you could just see it every time you see him. But in that game against um, Wolves, you just, you didn't really see him smile. Yeah, his attitude was pretty poor, kind of thing. Like. He just didn't, he feel, it feels like he just doesn't want to be there anymore. He just really had enough with it all. I wouldn't say he wouldn't want to be there. I'd just say that he he wants. I don't know. He he knows that the club can be better. I guess. And now he's captain. He, I feel like if he wanted to leave, he would have left before he got like that sort yeah. of aspect. And now he's signed. He knows that it wasn't going to be easy. I guess to get straight up to the top. But he knows that we're way better than where we are right now. I guess. And he just wants to kind of get help get up to that point. But I could argue that someone like Lacazette's been just as bad as him, if not worse. Like it's not yeah. just not just him, I guess. Like uh, even Pepe, like he's been okay, but like yeah, that headbutt challenge and like some of the even William, like the first, he was good the first game, and then his like outputs. He's only good when he's putting crosses in on Gabriel's head, and he's getting free assists for that. Like, yeah, I think it it goes back to what you were saying before, Dylan. There's just no there's no creativity in this Arsenal team, and and I was li- I was listening to something interesting uh, a couple of weeks ago, actually. And this might this might sound stupid, but one of the problems is that Arsenal are just not playing enough attackers, or yeah, they're not playing stupid. the right attackers in the sense that 
they've got players there who, you know, you play a front three of, say, Lacazette, Aubameyang and Pepe, there's very little creativity there. Like you were saying, Aubameyang's not the player that's going to create for himself. Lacazette, he's okay creative-wise, but he's obviously not performing very well. And Pepe can perform, but his form is... It comes and goes because he's just never in the team enough. Um, and, yeah, Lockie, you made the comparison with Jamie Vardy. I think they're similar in their in that they're usually quite prolific. They're similar that they rely on pace uh, mm. to a degree and, the and of course, their age. But they're quite different players, I think. The, Jamie Vardy can have five touches in a yeah. game and have three goals. He'll just run off the shoulder or he'll just... Yeah pull the chance out of nowhere whereas but that's the thing like that though those two scenes are completely different like you're saying with with creativity wise leicester have got a lot of creativity hmm. in that and squad. that's it like they just need to get a ball forward for jamie vardy to run onto um whereas a uh, bamiang is really struggling because there's there's not much going on at arsenal and and people have been saying oh well why don't you move a bamiang to the middle play him as the central striker but you saw him last year. He played a significant portion of the year playing off the left, and he still, he still did and well. he still finished yeah. equal top scorer. So that yeah. was never the problem. It was just creativity. Creativity. I think yeah. like like Arteta's been so nailed down on getting our defense sorted that now he's got our defense sorted. That he kind of or relatively sorted. He doesn't know how to how to then I guess transition that into like an attack where we can create more chances and like two shots a game. I guess from like. Just long shots or something, though. Yeah, that's it. And well, ours is the complete opposite. We just know how to attack, but we just can't mm. defend. But but you're right. I mean, Arsenal's defense has. There's no doubt that it's improved significantly since last year, over the last few years. And fair play to Arteta for for making that happen. But it it is a concern when you're not scoring. Because that that yeah. that was always the thing with Arsenal. As bad as their defense were, or as weak as their midfield were, they still managed to outscore teams, and that's yeah. just not happening anymore. I think what he's trying to do, he's try he's trying to sort the defense, which he's pretty much done. But now he's just got that problem up front where he just can't score goals. So he just needs to get that back and just keep the defense the same. Yeah, it's almost like Arsenal need a an outstanding creative midfielder that they can just plug and play where they need to. I don't think they've got one of those, yeah, to be honest. Sure. Uh, yeah. You might have to pay him a lot if you want one of those. <laughs> He's been paid 350k a week just sit in the stands and watch us play. Oh, man. I thought you were telling me the other day he was just getting 350k a week to play Fortnite. <laughs> yeah, you used to. Oh, dear. Oh, God. What a shambles. So, to oh, all the listeners, it's... take a shot every time you hear one of us say the word shambles. Oh, oh boy. I know I am. All right. Well, uh, we'll move on then. Dylan, who's your disappointment of the season so far? Uh, well, I thought hard about my disappointment and I've come to the conclusion that I want to talk about Mason Mount as my disappointment so far this season. Okay. Um, so I think that like, considering the fact that Chelsea made so many massive signs this season in Havertz, Sitch, um, in the attacking, I also Havertz, Sitch, uh, Werner, that many many people thought that players such as like Hazard, Doy, and Mason Mount probably wouldn't would get less minutes now, um, or they get left behind in the pecking order for Lampard. Um, however, Mason Mount has actually made eight of their first ten appearances, or made uh, made appearances in eight in their first ten games, 
uh, having started seven, so only one off the bench. Uh, and so given the amount of to- game time he's actually had this season and the amount of confidence Lampard's had in him, you feel that he would have a better return? Considering that the back end of last season, he was pretty solid. Like him and Tammy were sort of, I guess people were expecting big things in them, but I guess before this season, not many people thought that they were going to go out and spend that much money, I guess, or in that attacking half. I guess Havertz was probably the one that they were linked with the most and Zich was one that they got kind of out of nowhere kind of thing. But even then, like Mason Mao is someone that has played heaps of games on this season, given that Havertz has been injured or had, I think he had one game where he missed with a COVID, I want to say, I reckon. But um, the output for Mao this season has been incredibly poor. Uh, he's uh, Especially considering the fact that he's actually averaging 2.2 shots per 90, which is the same amount as players like Rashford and actually more shot attempts than players like Danny, like Son, who's I think second in goal scorers uh, this season, and Callum Wilson. And they're all players that have had great starts this season. Uh, he averages 1.7 key passes per 90, which is less than someone like Zeech. He actually has played only like half a game in four. Uh, he averages key, uh, very low key dribbles in 90. Uh, so low, in fact, that it's actually below players such as Luke Shaw and Luke Ayling for leads. And he's ranked 59th in the Prem for average pass numbers, which is pretty poor considering uh, how, many, how much possession Chelsea keep considering that they've got players like Jorginho in the midfield and Kovacic. Uh, I think that before Chelsea got strong signings, people thought that Mason Mayer would have a pretty solid season, like I said. But uh, where he stepped out from last season, uh, and they thought they would step out from last season, however, his output has been significantly disappointing. Um, and he, I think I feel like when Havertz comes back, he might not get that much game time on the Prem or Champions League, to be honest. I feel that um, Ziyech and Havertz can do their role even far better with less output, I guess, in terms of that those pass numbers or key dribbles, etc., um, and shots. So, and also I put here, I love how like uh, I sent over the last few weeks some of the um, some of the like memes about how Chelsea supporters just think that Frank Lampard is obsessed with Mason Mount and his long lost son and all that stuff. Um, there's one that I saw where. Uh, Mason Mount was a full icon FIFA team and with like Ronaldo, Henri, like Yashin, all these massive icons, Maradona. And in the middle, it was just Mason Mount's gold card on his own. <laughs> and it's like, oh, uh, Lampard's a manager, just obsessed with, uh, obsessed with um, Mason Mount as a player. But yeah, his output's been really poor. So yeah, I don't know what you guys think about that, but I thought that was a bit, bit controversial potentially. But yeah, something that I definitely think that should have been brought up, I guess. Well, Mason Mount is one of those players that Frank Lampard obviously loves. He had him at Derby Derby County when he was the manager there before he took over at Chelsea because obviously Mason was on loan there. And um, look, last season with the transfer ban, he blooded blooded all the youth players and he brought them in. And Mason Mount did did pretty well. Um, Mm. But I don't know. I'm kind of the same. When I see him on the team sheet and I look at some of the other options that they've got, I just think, why is Mason Mount playing? Especially when I've seen him play. He's started a couple of times in a deeper uh-huh. role. When players like, I don't know, Kante's been out uh, for a part of the season, but when players like Jorginho and Kovacic are fit, that should be the holding midfield coupling for me. Yeah. Or, or I mean, ideally, you're going to have Kante and Kovacic in behind, you know, Havertz or Ziyech. But 
it does baffle me when Mason Mount starts so often. And for me, he just doesn't contribute enough. And, you know, some of the numbers that you've listed off there kind of demonstrate that. So I don't know whether it's a culture thing, whether it's uh, that Frank's waiting for habits to settle in or that he's even trying to work out how he should be playing habits. But, yeah, I, I think it's, uh, it is a concern considering Chelsea's form. I mean, they're still in the top four, but it's been a little bit flippant mm. and a little bit inconsistent. You gotta remember, it's a whole new team. He's bought basically a new team with this. They gotta, you know, somehow work mm. together. And that could be part of it. That keeping Mason in the team is part of maintaining the the consistency in the system. That he's got a player there mm. that he knows will play how he wants. Um, so it will help the other players adapt to the system. The newer players adapt to the system. I mean, he's done well that he's 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 found the issues in the squad, and he's replaced him with better options. That you've got a new keeper. You've got someone new up front. I mean, Tammy was, is still a great player, yeah. but you still need that depth because if Tammy gets injured, you've got Giroud. Not, like, not saying Giroud's bad and all. It's just, you know, do you really want Giroud as your backup striker or would you want someone like Tammy as your backup striker or even someone to pair up with Werner? Well, to be honest, I think that the way that they've been playing lately is how they should be playing with Tammy starting up front yeah. uh, with Werner off the left and... Ziyech off the right. And I think Giroud is a perfectly capable uh, second option. Like, I, I really think that he is. He's a brilliant player. And I think he gets... Uh, he cops a lot of flack, uh, undeserved flack. Like, he's a brilliant hold-up player. He's a brilliant target man. And he gets, you know, he gets brilliant goals as well. Like, you look at... Was it in the Champions League? Or was it in the league? I can't remember. He just scored this towering header over a couple of defenders and you look at it you're like man this guy really wants to score look at what he's done yeah I mean that was a winner in the Champions League yeah game against Rennes that's it against yeah. Ren. that's right yeah. yeah and yeah so I think that's that's um, and and I, I also think that that's where Timo's is best is playing off of the left whether he floats inside yeah. or drifts a little bit wider but that that's his best when he's got his big big man next to him like he yep. played at Leipzig next to Yusuf Paulson, so mm. or Patrick Schick. Yeah, so I yeah, but I think you're right. Mason Mount is look, he he's one of those players as well that he gets in the England team. It's almost like Gareth Southgate's obsessed with him as well. Yeah. So he, no, I don't understand how he gets this many opportunities, but yeah, his output's like pretty poor, kind of thing, compared to other players, especially for the England team and that. Mm. who can play that position. He's still getting all these opportunities. He's not doing anything outstanding, I guess. Mm. I, I suppose that that kind of consistency in his game time suggests that he's just an incredibly hard worker and he'll listen to exactly yeah. what the coach is telling him to do. Mm. So, I mean, in that in that sense, you know, good job, fair enough, fair play to him. He's uh, he's doing well for himself, but he's not performing for the for his team, which is, yeah, you know, it's it's not helpful, especially when Chelsea uh, potentially in a title race. I mean, it's so close yeah. at the moment, and we'll know in a, in a couple of months more whether or not they're still in and around that position. But at the moment, they've got to make sure that they're winning every game. And if you've got a well, the whole title race has been blown wide open, like anyone could probably yeah, exactly. Win at that That's point. how it's looking at the moment. So when you've got players like Mason Mount who you know, although they're probably pretty good role players, they're good squad players to have for now, because he's still really young as well. 
Um, you've you've got to have those players in there that have got that cutting edge, and he just doesn't seem to have it at the moment. Do you guys have anything else you wanted to add? No, no you pretty so. much covered it all. You know. Yeah. Cool. All right. Well, yeah. we'll move on to our last disappointment. And for me, oh, it's one of my favourite players. Uh, one of my favourite players in the Premier League and in football in general, to be honest. And that's Raheem Sterling. So I think, unfortunately, Sterling's performance this season kind of embodies the broader struggles at Manchester City as a whole. Um, he's played eight out of nine of Man City's games so far. Um so he's he's been heavily involved with that, but he's only contributed two goals and one assist, which which is pretty poor for the player that he is. Um, he's averaging one point six one point six eight expected goals, one point seven three expected assists. So he's pretty much on par as where he should be as well. So it's not like he's dramatically underperforming even, which is a concern. Uh, he's taking. 2.25 shots per 90 as well, which is which is fine, but you probably want him to be taking a few more, especially because last season he averaged 3.15. Um, but he's only taken four shots from outside the box as well. So I guess you can say that at least he's taking shots in good areas. Um, in terms of creativity, he's averaging 1.1 key passes per 90. So over the last few seasons, we've seen this decline. I think uh, in the 17-18 season, he was averaging something like 1.9 key passes a game. So I guess um, as as his role in the Manchester City team has changed, whereas before he was a little bit more of a creator and now he's become more of that striking finisher, uh, his creativity has, has declined. And as well, he's only completing this season uh, 1.9 dribbles dribbles per 90, which is down from 2.4 in both uh, the 2018-19 seasons and the 19-20 seasons, which is... Look, for the kind of player that Sterling is, you'd expect him to be completing a few more. Um, but that being said, a few times this season, he has played as a centre forward. Uh, playing as the focal point of their attack as Aguero and Jesus have been injured. But look, I really would expect him to be completing a bit more than that, closer to the numbers that he's been putting up in seasons past. Uh, look, we we really expect Man City to be blowing teams away. I mean, we saw on the weekend that they, they blew out Burnley 5-0. But yeah. in... Even last season when they struggled a little bit, they were still consistently putting four, five goals past teams for fun. And it's, it's mm. something's just not clicking this season. It's not working. It's almost like they've lost a little bit of confidence in their ability. And, I mean, that's kind of reflected in Sterling's numbers. I don't know what you guys think, but it's a bit... Dis- I mean, obviously, it's pretty disappointing for me for a player that I usually love to watch. I think Sterling is a fantastic player. This season, something. Well, you're right. There, he's a great player, and you know, like last season, you're seeing City blow teams away, like you were saying before. Like they're one of those teams that you you want to see in the top four, but like this season, they've been really, really struggling. Like I'm not sure if that's due to like the injuries that they've got or just 
how the team works in general. Like it's just something's not working in that squad, and obviously it's reflected in Sterling's mm. numbers. Yeah, I mean, it'll be interesting to see what Pep does with Manchester City because obviously he's signed on for, well, he's extended his. I think it's another. I think it's yeah, another, another two, two years. years. Mm. Um, obviously, this season they were probably expecting to have Lionel Messi, but that never eventuated, and they could grab him for free next season, and it might totally revolutionise the squad. But if not, mm. Pep has some serious. Issues that he's got to work out, especially this season, if they if they want to if but they want to challenge. Say, because you can't just sorry. I'm just, I was just going to say you can't just say you, got, you like we get messy, and that's just going to change the squad completely. We're going to play ten times better. Like Messi's just one player at the end of the day. Like Messi, I'm not saying Messi's bad at all. Messi's an amazing player, but you put Messi into that squad, do you think that's really going to change how the whole squad plays? They're going to start winning every single mm. game. Well, Messi is that kind of player, and he could rejuvenate the squad but there are other issues that he's got to work out and he can't rely on that as his contingency plan so at the moment what city are in 11th that is that's appalling they've lost they've lost twice already this season but they've got three draws as well and some really dreary results they've only scored 15 goals as well so you've got teams like west ham Southampton, Everton, all outscoring them. I mean, they've scored the same number of goals as Leeds. Even uh, Brighton, who are in 16th, have scored 14. Like, for a team that is widely being considered to have the best attack in the league, or even in the world for the last few years, is really, really struggling. So it'll be interesting to see what, what happens there. For sure, it's it's interesting in that fact, like how they just you know, they're not really performing up to those standards. Like last season, neck and neck with Liverpool, and obviously Liverpool just went away with mm. it. But up in, until like they were really, December, yeah, yeah. But there was you know at the start really neck and neck, and not like first and second. You know they're trying to fight for first, but now you know they well, just that, that kind of seems to have been the start of this downfall. I think was when they fell away from Liverpool last season. They never really quite caught fire again. Mm. Right, so you think that's just lost confidence from then? It's just carried over to this season. Looking at Man City's squad this season, there are a lot of players who are underperforming quite heavily. I mean, maybe you can look at Benjamin Mendy. He's been he's been pretty solid for them since he's come back in. Yeah. Um. And Ruben Diaz, is, I've been pretty impressed with him. I wasn't quite sure about him when they signed him. I wasn't sure he was the right player. But he looks like he'll be able to create a pretty pretty formidable partnership with uh, Imeric Laporte. So that will be interesting to watch. And of course, Farron Torres has been good. But their midfield has been pretty pretty appalling. Kevin De Bruyne has been disappointing as well. He's only had um, one goal and he's got five assists. So. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but again, two two of those assists came against Burnley. Yeah. So, what's it, what's he been doing in the other eight games that they played? Yeah, exactly. Like, I don't know. Maybe with Aguero coming back in uh, soon, then things might lift up. But again, it's the same kind of story as with Arsenal. If you're relying on a striker, it, no matter how good they are, that's 32 years old, then you're at risk of of injuries keeping them out and that's been 
that's been the issue with Aguero. Yeah. So, oh, I don't know, man. It's it's a tough one. But if they want to challenge for the title this season, they've got to do something quick and fast because, you know, Liverpool is going to run away. Tottenham are on fire. Chelsea, Leicester, you know, who knows? The, the top four could even be out of reach if they don't get their act together. Yeah. It's a big call, but mm. that just seems to be how things are going at the moment. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, I think we've done pretty well here, guys. Um, I mean, there are a couple of interesting points that we've we've made. Um, maybe a few hot takes, controversial opinions, but that's, uh, it's that's not, what it not is. bad for our first time. I think we do quite well for ourselves. That's it. Um, <laughs> look, before we close out the show, do you guys have any games you're going to be keeping an eye on this weekend? Any particular predictions that you've got? Uh, I mean, Tottenham Arsenal, obviously, this weekend. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> I mean, that could that could be an absolute mauling, to be honest. <laughs> no, that could go any, any, either way. I mean, it could, like... I mean, we. It could just be that we, you know, the boys like lift their energy. I guess they get a, they train real hard this week, and then they come out with a plan and really execute it. But like Tottenham are just looking They're very solid at the moment. Mm-hmm. When's that game deal for the listeners? Uh, Monday, three a.m. So I don't know if you want to stay up and watch that. If you're, oh, the I mean, you will if you're an Arsenal supporter, probably a Tottenham mm. supporter. Brilliant. Anything else? Any other games you're watching, deal? Uh, I like the look of Bayern RB. Um, that's at Sunday morning at four AM, so hour later uh, on the day before. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that that should be a good game. Um, because uh, I think Bayern's first and RB's second at the moment. And um, just looking at like the way they pl- they're playing at the moment or the way they've been going. Obviously, they had one first, one second. But Bayern, I think, have scored at thirty-two goals and conceded seventeen. So. But RB's only scored about 18, but can see it at six. So it's kind of like a bit contrasting, I guess, in terms of buying a very heavy in the top half. But then defensively, they had a lot of injuries. A few people got COVID, so they kind of like dropped off a bit defensively. But uh, RB defensively have been great. So I think that'll be a good game to watch kind of thing. I guess defense versus attack, kind of seeing how that goes, I guess. Um, yeah, those those two of the games I'll be watching this weekend. So. Yeah, awesome. Uh, Lucky, what about you? I'll be definitely watching out for United PSG tomorrow morning at 6.30. You know, we, we beat them last time, so hopefully we can do it again at home. So it'll be quite interesting how that game would play out, especially if, if De Gea is still injured, which I think he probably is going to be still injured. So obviously Dean will be getting more minutes in there and see how Cavani goes against his former club. Hopefully he plays this time. Yeah, that'll be an interesting one. We'll see how that one shapes out. That's an interesting group there as well. I think mm. Man United and PSG have both already qualified. Yeah. Um, so I guess it's just... It's just fighting for first spot. Top spot, yeah, and the, the seed for the next round. Mm. Um, the other game I was looking out for was Lille and Monaco because that's uh, second versus fourth, but they're, they're both joint on point. So pretty much whoever wins that game will jump into second or if PSG somehow lose or draw or whatever, they might jump, even jump to first. So, I mean... That'll be a good game to watch out for in the in the French league this year uh, on Sunday at ten thirty. Yeah, awesome. Well, the first game I'm going to be keeping my eye on is uh, AC Milan against Celtic in the Europa League. That's on at Friday morning at four twenty-five. Um, that's bright and early, so I might 
might watch the replay of that one. I don't think I'll be getting up for that, but it should shape up to be a good game. Celtic are dead last in their group, uh, but look, there's still two games, two games left in the group. So if they win both of them, they could still qualify. It's a bit of a stretch, but um, look, Milan are on fire. Zlatan Ibrahimovic is he's ageless, really. It's it's, oh, it's ridiculous. He's the man's, so good. The man's almost 40 years old and he's mm. just knocking them in for fun. It's ridiculous. Yeah. What a monster. Um, so there's that game. And then the other one that I'll be watching, a uh, bit of a shout out to our friend Harry, who's a diehard lifelong Bristol City fan. <laughs> cough, cough. Um, <laughs> Bristol City are playing against Birmingham City on Sunday morning at 1.30 a.m. I so think right now I won't be watching that game. <laughs> Good warm up for the uh, before um look I'll tell you what the um I reckon it's going to be a brilliant cracking game I reckon Birmingham City are going to win 10 nil and <laughs> oh, Riley right. McGree our boy Riley McGree is going to score eight and get two assists I, so I can yeah, definitely say that only eight <laughs> that's it um, yeah only eight yeah only eight only eight. Well, I'm he's, hearing he's there's rumors that he's he going can't, to he can't, he can't Real embarrass Madrid too much. And I hear he's moving to Real Madrid in January, so it'd be interesting. <laughs> oh, <laughs> chuck, chuck in my prediction as well for the AC Milan game. Um, look, as much as I'd love Celtic to win both their next games and go through, I think Milan will win 3-1. Yeah. Did you give us a prediction for your games, Lockie? No, I... will uh, well, I think probably for the United game, this might be a bit of bias, but I think we'll probably win that game 2-1 considering we're at home. Sure. Fair enough. <laughs> look, look, PSG have not been that great. We've talked about this before and we're looking a bit shaky, but I mean, I think attacking-wise, we're looking really solid at the moment with Bruno and hopefully Cavani up top. So Right, okay. Um, and the other game, I think they're probably a one or draw in the end. I think the two sides will just fight it out for a draw. Awesome. Well, thanks, boys. No, no well, problem. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Righto. Well, that's just about all we've got time for on today's episode of Studs Up. If you've enjoyed the show, then please make sure you hit subscribe so that you never miss an episode. While you're at it, why don't you pass on the pod to your friends, family, colleagues, dogs, cats, postmen, anyone really you think might also enjoy the show. We're streaming on all major podcasting apps, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and Google Podcasts. So there's really no excuse. And we really appreciate all your support to help us grow. All that's left for me to do now is to say thank you to my co-hosts, Dylan Rowe. Thank you. And to Lachlan Woodley. Nice. I've been Alex Burrow. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Studs Up. Peace.